tired of seeing pretty people everywhere I am not a model, middle fingers in the air I used to drink whiskey, now I'm stuck with Perrier I'm an alcoholic, middle fingers in the air Okay, hey everyone, and welcome to Best Frenemies, our first podcast, our virgin podcast, if you will, with... Fuck you. <laughs> this is not our virgin podcast. We recorded one two minutes, ag- two minutes ago, and... Uh, and somehow it got erased, so uh, in total <laughs> typical Johnny and Chris fashion... No, no, this one I'm laying at your feet, dude. I'm laying this at your feet. So anyway, go ahead, Johnny. Introduce our podcast. Our second podcast. This is Best Frenemies with Johnny Castana and Christopher Long. Yay. <laughs> Chris is really upset right now, but he needs to get over being a little bitch, and we're just going to get into it. Um, Chris, how did we meet? County jail? <laughs> Uh, we met at training, uh, jujitsu, art of jujitsu in Costa Mesa, California. Um, yeah. And he was one of the older dudes there. Like they, <laughs> they got a lot of, they got a lot of kids. What so like the old guys kind of gravitate towards, towards each other because, um, cause we're old and get tired a lot quicker. So Johnny, um, came in and we immediately, I don't know. We paired off somehow. I, I mean, I, yeah, we're like, hey, you're old too. <laughs> I think it kind of was. And then it came out that we both have experimented with more drugs than the FDA. Yeah, enough cocaine to kill an elephant. So that was a, so when we've been, had, we have double digit, both of us have double digit sobriety. So that was another check. We have a bunch of mutual friends from the past. Um, and we're both nerds. We're both uh, down with Star Wars. We're both down with comic books. And we're both down with masturbation. <laughs> not necessarily in that order either. Um, so that is, so I think those podcasts, the genesis for it came about, uh, that we made jokes that we should be mic'd up when we were training jujitsu because we're hilarious. Even though remember that one time coach Danny had the class circle up and told people they would probably get better if they stopped joking. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was directly at us. Uh, see the problem is, is we think we're funny. Yes, we do think we're funny, and I think a lot of times it's only funny to us. Yeah, it is only funny, and I and I think people um, once they get to know us, they just don't laugh because they don't want to encourage us. Yes. So, anyway, so we decided. Then the next thing was we were going to start a punk band. Yeah, because we had a great name, the the Shitty Triangles. Uh, but neither one of us um, <laughs> plays an instrument um, well enough to start a band. So then we thought it would. The lazy man's uh, way to go would be start a podcast. Yeah, which we were sorely mistaken too because uh, this has been a nightmare. We dude. we literally just erased uh, our first go at podcast. And by we, Johnny means he. I, I said, should I do this button? And I was like, save, <laughs> yes, you hit save. <laughs> oh, dude, I just delete. Let's re- record again. Yeah. Well, hey. So this is not even a pod. This was me grumbling fucking recording this shit again and johnny was just like pollyanna going oh just think how much better the second one's gonna be yeah, that's 
Chris's, Chris's arms are still folded right now. I'm loving this, actually, because uh, this is the state that most people see Chris and I engaging in is where I'm smiling and he just has the same look that he wants to kill me. You know what? Actually, that's not too far from the truth. Yeah, I but, just had to get you in that zone. I, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so that you're like, this is your Phil Jackson moment of like, hey, we got to get this organic. We really got to show people what best frenemies means. Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> I didn't even hit record. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, well, dude, let's get into what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about... The Raid Redemption, and let me just read the tagline. That's the only thing. I have like 65 pages of notes, but the only thing I'm going to read is the tagline. The Raid Redemption. One ruthless crime lord. 20 elite cops. 30 floors of hell. (laughs) So, um, this joke was funnier in the first podcast um but i dispute that 20 elite cops there's actually one elite cop and 19 19 red shirts that are just meant to die horrible heinous deaths uh and there's only 16 floors in the movie too <laughs> not you would have thought a copywriter would have got that right no but that's marketing for you see i do sales so i work with a lot of marketing and they instantly are going to think well, what's better than 16 floors? I don't know. Maybe we should double it. That sounds great. <laughs> Let's do that. You know what, dude? But from the outside, I don't even know. Did you really count 16 floors? I did. I actually paused the movie and counted it because I'm a nerd. All right. Well, that's true nerd. So, so you know what? We let's uh, let's talk about what the movie's about. And basically, the, the a bunch of cops are sent in to fight. And capture and kill a uh, a drug lord who lives in the penthouse of this building. Now, on each floor, there is junkies and drug dealers that occupy each level. So, basically, it's almost like a video game where they have to fight from the first floor all the way up to the top. And that is basically the the movie in a nutshell. Yeah. So, this... So, I'm going to take it back a second. So, the director, Gareth Evans... Uh, who is from Wales. Um, his wife, um, who's from Indonesia, got him a gig directing um, a 60-minute um, documentary on the mar- ar- bleh, martial arts form Salat, which is from Indonesia. He became obsessed with it and felt that he had to make a movie incorporating this martial arts form. Um, and this is where the raid redemption came from and it is a ruthless martial arts i mean we we studied jujitsu which there's no striking in competitive jujitsu i mean they're striking with everything i mean feet fist elbows sweeps everything stabbings yeah i mean gutting people with knives axes it is ruthless and incredibly entertaining on the screen uh, it's super bloody, super violent. It is our generation's Enter the Dragon, if you will. And it and he, Gareth Evans speaks that Enter the Dragon was a huge influence on him. Um, and you, I mean, you can tell. I mean, he's playing, definitely paying homage to Enter the Dragon. Yeah, no doubt to that. But unlike Enter the Dragon, the one of the best villains I've seen in a long time. It, and one that you just is just so cool is Mad Dog. 
So the thing about Mad Dog, too, is that he steals every scene that he's in. He has a really strong character arc, and he's probably the fourth most important person in the film. You know, I, I brought up in the first podcast that <laughs> in South Park, when they first started, they would like record like Tiger Woods doing a chicken or George Clooney. Yeah. Doing a chicken clock. And then they would be like chicken number 15. Mad Dog is villain number four in this film. <laughs> I mean, he is not the focus of this film, but he kills it. Literally. Yeah, I mean, he's like the Darth Vader of this movie. You know what? And actually, that is a really good analogy. He is. I mean, he's the most ruthless. And you wouldn't look at him. He's small in stature. Yeah. Um, he's, a, he's a badass little Asian dude with long hair. But you find out right off the bat that, that he hates guns. And he puts one down and says, let me show you what I like to do. And he rolls up his sleeves and starts kicking ass because that's what mad dog is is designed for is to kick ass he so the, my favorite scene <clears throat> in the film is when you, you introduce the the three villains the crime lord andy and mad dog and the three of them are just casually leaning back against the desk staring at something off screen the crime lord is eating a bowl of ramen and then you switch and you see that there are five. It was five, right? Am I getting my numbers? Yeah, on? no. There was there was there was five guys on a sheet of plastic kneeling, kneeling, like gagged and bound, and just unceremoniously executed, one by one, until the last one, when he runs out of bullets, it goes to the drawer and pulls out a hammer and finishes him <laughs> with a hammer. Which, which to me is, um, that's pretty much how every Japanese business meeting goes down. <laughs> I would know. Uh, it was an, my favorite scene of the whole film. I thought they did, you know, I think it's storytelling. Like one of the objectives is to tell as much as you can without wasting any words, without wasting any space. And Gareth Evans killed it with this scene. Yeah, that and obviously my favorite scene was when little badass Mad Dog decided to take the final two people on in the movie at the same time in a brutal fight scene. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. It was... There was leg sweeps. There was chains involved. There may or may not have been a neck stabbing. Yeah, thing. no. And that actually, I read an interview with the director with that scene that he wanted to like, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to make the kind of film where the villain gets stabbed in the neck and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make a film where the villain gets stabbed in the neck and they keep on going for a little bit longer. And that is what Mad Dog did. Yeah, I, I, man, I don't even know what it was. That he it, got, it was, it was like a, a broken fluorescent light. That was it. <laughs> and actually, to be totally honest, I kind of thought that blood was going to start like squirting. Yeah, out of squirting the out. Yeah, that was a ruthless. So this is just some context. When I first heard about this film, it was one of those films that I had 
to watch when both my wife and son were not home. This is not a date movie. No, this is neither one of them. They would be mortified if they saw any scene in this film, (laughs) any scene. And they would question, I mean, my son is so averse to like screen blood. I mean, he would be horrified at this film. Uh, but it, yeah. I mean, you have bones crunching. Oh, dude, there's even, um, there's even in the beginning of the movie, uh, a kid that alerts everyone that the police are in the building. There's a kind of a crooked cop. Oh, yeah. He gets shot in the neck, total neck shot, which, um, you which, would not see that in Hollywood. No. Well, that always reminds me of my favorite line in, um, in a uh, full metal jacket when he's like, how can you, how can you shoot innocent women and children? And he's like, Oh, it's easy. You just don't lead them as much. <laughs> so and actually the other part the crooked cop that johnny just mentioned the part i loved in this oh, he, was, he was he was white yeah so of course always got to be the white guy so you know i'm used to hollywood movies where it's like always kind of like a person of color always seems to be like the crooked cop or the bad guy and this it's like i mean the guy was speaking their language, but he was definitely dude. Like a he, weird, weird white Asian looking dude. Yeah, like but straight up white crooked cop, which I actually like. That was kind of refreshing from my point of view. I like that. Yeah. Um. So then, the other point I wanted to make with this film, um, not a lot of dialogue. Um. Yeah, it could have almost been a silent movie. Yeah, it. Um, so the first time I watched it, it was. I, I hate. I'm morally opposed to dubbing. I hate movies that are dubbed. Um, so the movie I got was had subtitles, and it was gritty. And I don't remember spending a lot of time watching. You know, reading dialogue at the bottom of the screen. I think the actors did an incredible job of conveying everything that was going on. They didn't have to over-explain things. The dub version was totally opposite. It would be like, "Whoa, you are mad," and <laughs> it to- it really was a different movie experience. The rule number one of watching any, especially any foreign film, is you don't ever have the dub version playing. Never. No, they're the worst. Always original language and just read. Like yeah. You want to hear it in its original language of how it's acting and everything. And they did. A lot of these actors were amateurs. And so it impressed the hell out of me how much that they could convey with their, I mean, facial expressions. I mean, granted, too, it's a, it's a martial arts film. So there's tons of action. Um, and but, he wrote everything into his surroundings, too. Yes, he, so like Gareth Evans, when he wrote the script, he, I don't understand this, how he writes like this, but he would bullet point it and he would go, you know, hallway, knife, hammer. <laughs> and then he would build around that. Like he'd have a vision of this like fight scene and he's like, okay. So then he would flesh it out and go, all right, a protagonist has a hammer and he has to fight off 12 villains coming at him in the hallway and one of them has a knife, and one of them is stabbed in the eye with the knife. Yeah. So, and then that's how he flushes out. I mean, it's a weird writing style to me. I, my hat's off to him. But, uh, yeah, he. Well, also, he he wanted to have the budget for the 
the raid two is done in um it's shot in a jail in a big prison and he wanted that for the original movie but he couldn't get the budget so that's why it took place in the broken down you know projects building and uh and he just wrote everything in that way and i love his guerrilla filmmaking it's kind of like when um Robert Rodriguez did El Mariachi. He had access to a school bus and a turtle. So he wrote it into the movie. It, I believe the budget, he said it was like 1.3 million. It does not feel like a small budget film. Um, it, it seems much bigger. Um, he, you know, and the thing about, you know, I brought this up in the other podcast. Uh, <laughs> such a bitch. James Cameron talks about director Avatar, you know, Terminator, that at this point in his career, he can get whatever sum of money he wants to make a film. And he feels, though, he was more creative when, earlier in his career when he could not get that. And they said, no, this is the money you have. Make it work. So he had to get inventive and be creative how he told what he wanted to tell um, and show what he wanted to show. I feel the raid redemption, you get that sense of like, it, it didn't feel like he was, you know, confined by, but he was creative. Young and hungry, dude. And he made it work and, and he made it work. I mean, it, on every level from top to bottom, the best martial arts film I've ever seen. Yeah. I'm I, just throwing it out there. At least in the past decade, I challenge anyone to show me a better one in the past decade. And I would love to, dude, I would love if someone actually, got in touch with us and said, dude, have you seen this? Uh, no, actually, I haven't. I would love to come back and say, I stand corrected. And we'll talk about it. Yes, but until then, Raid the Redemption is the best martial arts film I've seen. <laughs> yeah, well, do you want to, um, is there anything else you want to say? You want to talk about uh, next week? What we got? Are you, are you bringing in our special guest right now to... Do you want me to... you want to bring me my assistant, Sebastian? Yeah, go get your assistant. He's stressed up for it. Sebastian. Okay, do I just put these on? <laughs> hey, can you give a sound check, Sebastian? Check. check one, two, one, two. Who is this? So, Sebastian, can you tell us what our next podcast will involve? Well, Sebastian, if you're nasty... Um, <laughs> Any gay, uh, what we have going on in the next couple weeks, because Johnny and Chris are the biggest flaky flakes, is uh, they're going to get into what book, what book are you guys reading? I don't read books. Uh, Ready Player One. Ready Player One. By Ernest Cline. I heard that's a fabulous book. <laughs> it doesn't have pictures, so I doubt you've read it. Okay, and um, I believe that Mr. Steven Spielberg is currently shooting the film for that movie? I believe so, yes. Woo! I'm out there today. I'm on um, some Spike and Mike Zowers. They're loaded with sugar. Uh, oh, I heard you guys are going to get Nick the Tooth to come in and do that with you, too. He he's agreed, nerd. yes. He's our... He's our um, actually, Johnny, I'll give credit to your um, boss. My boss. Uh the coined the term that uh, Nick the Tooth is our podcast Obi-Wan Kenobi. But um, I don't remember Obi-Wan calling Luke idiots as much as Nick called us idiots while he's been <laughs> trying to help us over the last few months. 
Well, I'm just going to do my part and tell everyone to download it. And if you don't, I will scratch your fucking eyes out. Whoa, whoa. See ya. Sorry, Chris. Uh, I don't really, I, I pay him in candy, so. <laughs> That's, that uh, is right, though. We are going to get Nick the Tooth to come in. And, uh, yeah, he is, he is as smart as he is strong, which is, uh, which is a problem. That's actually, God shouldn't have allowed that to happen. But You know what? And actually, I, the few conversations I've had with Nick, they've been good conversations. Like, he's really knowledgeable. And, I mean, talking about writing or if you're talking about comic books or movies, like, he can kind of, he, he's our smarter, older brother. Yeah. Yeah, who, totally. Who actually looks younger <laughs> and is in better, better shape and, you know, better jujitsu and. <laughs> what? That, that's terrible. Yeah. Fuck him. He's not coming into our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> all right. So anyway, this was, um, this was probably, all right. At the end of this, our officially second podcast because the first one was a race i'm gonna say this one was probably better it started off a little rough on my end i wanted to kill johnny this is every conversation i have with chris he's like this you know what and i think that's why people always say the best friend of me yeah um i mean johnny he drove up today and my wife is like uh i think your boyfriend's hair (laughs) so jealous of our bromance (laughs) You know, I'm secure about my masculinity, dude. You know I, what? Chris, I, I'm, I'm strong enough about my masculinity to gaze into your fiery blue eyes right now. <laughs> <laughs> They're hazel, <Yeah>. asshole. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So anyway, uh, we for all the people who have been supporting uh, our endeavor to do a podcast and been waiting, thank you. Yeah. Um, we, assuming this records and we don't delete this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we hope you enjoy it, and we will be coming. Our goal is two a month. We're going to try to hit two a month. We're trying, you know. So, but anyway, we're going to try to keep them coming on a regular basis. Because once it's in the books, then it's like yeah. committed. It's like chiseled in stone. So uh, keep coming back. <laughs> <laughs> it works if you work it. <laughs> it sucks if you don't. All right. Thanks, everyone. Okay, real quick, we forgot to um, thank the people most important to us. For me, it's my beautiful wife, Nikki, and my boys, Donovan and Desi. And for Chris... Yeah, uh, I want to thank Jamie Reese, my lovely wife, and Jackson for supporting us while uh, we were getting this podcast up and going. And uh, took forever. No, forever. And this actually is being recorded about two weeks after we recorded our podcast, so... And listened to it and was like, oh my god. Um, yeah, probably next time in hindsight, we should have started a band, Chris, and actually learned how to play instruments. <laughs> it would have been much easier. So, uh, just, uh, I hopefully uh, these will be coming out a little bit faster. The, the first one's always the hardest. That's true. It, it can only go up from here. Yeah. All right, thanks, you guys. <laughs>